Hello and welcome to Bible Marathon. We're all about learning how to read the Bible, about spiritual gifts and giving proper defense and explanation for what we believe as Christians. The goal is to progress with joy in the faith and without further ado, let's get into the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for this meeting. We thank you for your children. We just thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for an opportunity to gather together. We thank you for we thank you for today. We thank you for everything. Father, we give you all the glory and adoration in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we're about to start this meeting, Father, we pray that all that we have learned before and all that we will learn today, Lord Jesus, Father, we pray that it would guide our actions and guide our lives. Father, we pray that we would live by it. Father, we pray that we would be directed by your word and it will be evident in our life, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, we pray that those who are to teach and you know speak today, Lord Jesus, that they speak not of themselves, but of the Spirit of God. And I pray that everything that they are supposed to, do, to say will come to their remembrance, Lord Jesus. And I pray at the end of this day, you know, hearts will change, minds will change, and there will be new perspectives, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Tammy. Um, we're about to move on to the next part, and this is the most important part. So I want you guys to pay close attention. Um, we're coming already to the end of the month of February. I hope you had a great month. We've learned a whole lot together. We started... Um, hey, no announcement. What's happening here? We started the month with Filio. And it was an amazing time, right? We listened to Victoria, we listened to Tobo, and they really, really took us into the conversation around friendship. Then we had our special guests, Tomo and Don, Emmanuel, on Eros. That was really also profound and beautiful. Um, and then we moved on to Agape, and we had Daniel Babalola teach us, I think, what was, for me, the best sermon I've heard in a while on the love of God. And today, we are concluding our series on peace in a pod with Storge. And we're having the delectable duo. I'm so good with words, man. The delectable duo, Lillian and Ugo. So I'm going to welcome them up. And then I would like you all to pray along with me um, as they go ahead to teach. All right. So let's pray for them. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask for utterance for both of them and as they speak your word it comes with power it comes with transformation ability and help us lord to live in line with whatever we hear today in jesus mighty name we pray amen amen all right over to you amen so good afternoon everyone hopefully you guys can hear me i can hear you that awesome so well i'm ugo for people who don't know me um i'm from the austin uh, Georgia, and i let my co-host introduce my lovely here. yeah i'm lillian i uh, born and raised in dallas um, and i'm about to graduate from ut dallas so i'm really excited graduation I'm actually graduating this semester too from um, the Georgia State University. So we are here to teach you guys about, you know, teach more like a discussion actually um, about the topic of Sorge. Painfully, I pronounced this well. <laughs> um, and um, it's a Greek word and it just means um, love for a family member, like a parent to a child or just love that you share through a family unit. So we just want to get some interaction in our group because this is not just us talking at you guys, but we want to have a discussion. So um, what does a family unit look like to you? So I know in this day and age, not everyone has like mom, dad, two brothers, a sister and a dog or something like that. So just want to know what the family unit looks like for you guys. Not everybody speak at once, but go ahead and speak. Nobody wants to talk about their family. Family is to me mother, father, and elder siblings, right? 
friends are also involved in family too. Yeah. What was the question? So, what does a family look like to you? Like, what is your definition of family? So, for example, I'm the oldest. So I have my parents, and then it's me, my two brothers, and my baby sister. So that's what my family unit looks like for me. Anybody else? Yeah, it's pretty much the same. Family is father, mother, kids, a dog, maybe two cats. Okay. Okay, so are you on a general understanding? Um, family, two parents, maybe a parent, um, your siblings if you have your friends some people have um, cousins living with them aunts uncles grandparents things like that and that's what family looks like um in a natural sense but as we are children of god when we become believers we are joined into a bigger family which is the body of christ so we are going to open up if you have your bible open up your bible if you don't have no bible open up the bible app okay so john chapter 1 verses 11 through 13 oh i didn't even see this in the chat i'm so sorry guys wow do i still sound muffled can you hear me yes i can hear you ugo but i don't know about lillian yeah how is my audio oh that's changed a few things so yeah it's way better okay good okay good sorry about that so yes so john 1 verses 11 through 13 um he came to his own and his own did not receive him but as many received him they they gave the right to become children of god to those who believe in his name who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So when we accept what Christ has done for us and we become believers, we are joining a bigger family, um, which is the body of Christ. Um, okay, awesome. And um, we aren't united by genes or physical ties, just as we mentioned in um, John chapter one, but we are united through the blood of Christ. So um, this one's a little bit of a long one. Um, Philemon one, well, there's only one chapter, um, verse eight through 16. So this is just a general story of Onesimus, um, who was the slave of Philemon. Um, and he... Um, if you know the gist of the story, um, he stole something, he ran away, um, he got saved, and Paul was bringing him back to Philemon. I mean, yes, he was bringing him back to Philemon. So we are going to read. Da, da, da. Um, Therefore, also in Christ, I could be bold in order to you to do what you ought to do. Yes, I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love, as it's none other. Then I, as Paul, an old man, now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, um, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who I be, who became my son while I was in chains. Continue. Formerly he was useless to you, but he has now become useful to both you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. Um, I would not have liked to keep him with me so that I, he could take your place for the gospel, but I did not want to send him anything without your consent so that um, any could favor you um, do what will be spontaneous, not before. So basically, this is just um, Paul, um, con not commissioning, but um, saying, hey, I'm sending him back to you. He wasn't useful to you at first, but now he is your brother. He's no longer your slave, and he is here to join you um, on your spread of the gospel. So we're going to continue um, into looking at what does the family of believers look like. So how many here of you guys have siblings? You can raise your hand if you want to in the chat. You can put oh, me in the chat, whatever. Okay, awesome. A lot of people have siblings. So um, 
if you're the oldest, like me, you are kind of used as the example for a lot of things, right? Um, a lot of things of what to do right and wrong. <laughs> and if you don't make the right decision, you feel that pressure, right? Of um, trying to do, set the best example for the younger ones that are coming behind you. Um, I know um, I definitely got punished a lot when I did some stupid stuff <laughs> um, because my, my siblings will also do the same. Um, but here in the um, body of Christ, we also have a older sibling that we look up to in the example of how to conduct ourselves in our family of believers. Jesus Christ um, is known as our elder brother. He's referred to in the scriptures as the firstborn. Um, if we could go to Colossians chapter 1, uh, 15 verse 7 um, to 317. Um, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Continue. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So this is just describing who Christ Jesus is. Um, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So he's the firstborn of all of us. He is our elder brother. And when we came into the faith um, and through the spirit of adoption, he became our elder brother because of the spirit of God that is within us. So if we go into Romans 8, another verse, Romans 8, um, 14 through 17. Because those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. And for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you receive the spirit of sonship. And in him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit um, himself testifies that we are, um, with our spirit, that we are God's children. And now if we are children, that we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order we may um, also share in his glory. So this is just telling us about how we know we are children of God. Um, our spirit testifies to that. Um, and through the spirit of adoption, we have been made siblings with Christ, but also children of God. Um, and when we are... Some people, when they join in the faith, they have to also um, leave a couple of things behind, sometimes even family members. So if we can go um, to Matthew um, 19, verse 29, um, this just explains how we gain brothers and sisters in Christ. So, and everyone has left houses, um, brothers or sisters, father and mother, children, fields for my sake will receive 100 times as much and will inherit eternal life. So we when we come into the family and body of Christ, we are now tied to a new family. We have taken on a new identity and we have family of like-minded believers. We have new mothers, new brothers, new sisters, um, things like that. We have a bigger family. And um, through that, we are not tied by DNA. We're not tied by physical ties, by marriage and things like that. But now we are all tied through the blood of Christ that was shed for us. So I have one more question and then I'll pass it on to my lovely co-host. Um, how do you guys show love to love to your siblings? How do you love on your siblings? So for me, for example, yesterday, um, I had a lovely time with my baby sister. She's the baby of the family. And um, one way she really likes to love or she really feels love is when you spend time with her. So um, she lives on off campus. So I went to go see her. We got food, we talked, prayed, loved on her a little bit, and then I dropped her off. So, um, and I try to keep on do that with all of my siblings, trying to show them love. So, how are some examples that you show your siblings love? If you don't want to talk, you can drop it off in the chat. Nobody wants to talk. Oh, that's so sweet. Ah, Mo, you want to be my sister? Come, you can cook for me. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Cook for them and tell, um, call them regularly. Tell them that you love them. Being there for them. That's right. Being there for them however you can, um, whether it's just supporting 
or showing up physically or financially or anything, that's lovely. Lillian, how do you show love to your siblings? Yeah, I show love to my siblings and by doing things for them or um, like my sister is always washing the dishes and I feel so bad. So I try to wash the dishes when I can so that she's not washing my dishes. So that's a major way that I that I show love. My goodness, Ernest says I sent him my PS4 account details. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to, you know, I cash app, I take Zill, I take Zempo. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone else have other examples of how they show love to their siblings? Oh, that's actually a really good point, Ife. Oh, I didn't know you're the youngest, but that's true. Sometimes you aren't, you can't be as close because sometimes your older, your older siblings married, go off, they live in their life, live in their best life. So I can understand that. But showing love by respect and caring for their um pursuits and admiring them that is very important um that's how my sister shows love to me um she treats me basically like I'm her second mom <laughs> and it's beautiful and even if you don't have siblings you can also practice these things with your friends these are the same things that you do you love your friends you show them that you care by being there for them um in any way that means <laughs> even by sharing your Netflix account, <laughs> that shows them that you care. Um, so I'm going to pass it on to our lovely yeah. Continue. Yeah, so now we've talked a little bit about how we show love to our siblings. And we, uh, Ugo also described how whenever we, let me know if the audio is not good. Um, Ugo showed me how, I talked about how whenever we become believers where we join the body of Christ. So how do you show love to your brothers and sisters in Christ? That's actually a really good question. I think just like I said, just how you would treat your natural born siblings or your friends, I feel like it's like loving them the same way Anybody else want to contribute? I also yeah. should praise for them. Ah, yes. Auntie Ayo, Adela, Ola, I think I pronounced it right. Sorry if I butchered your names. Yes, you pray for them. Ah, yes. Remember yes. their birthday. That's important. <laughs> Don't forget my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Celebrating their triumphs and pain, listening in on them, checking on them. And yeah, these are all very good examples. And feel free to unmute yourself too if you want to say something. Support their vision. That's that's awesome. That's very important. And you can show support by praying and things like that. Send them fonts. Auntie Ayo, you have my cash app. Send me fonts, please. Thank you. <laughs> Give them your time. Yes, that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, these are all great examples. Yeah, show up to celebrations and causes that matter to them. Yeah, these are all really good examples. Um, and they're examples of ways that we can care for our, our biological siblings too. So let's let's shift and look at some Bible verses. Let's look at 1 Timothy 5 from verses 1 to 2. Okay, this says... Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat your younger men as treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. So this is just saying that you want to treat your family in Christ in the same way that you would treat your own family. So and you want to do it with absolute purity. So that basically just means that you don't have any extra um, ulterior motives. You're doing it just out of the love that is overflowing from your heart. So you want to, you treat older men as though the, with the respect that you would treat your father or younger men and younger women 
as they're with the same way that you would treat your siblings, an older woman with respect you would treat your mother. But we've talked about how we should love people, but we don't know the correct way to love people. But as Ugo said earlier, Christ is our example of love. So let's go to 1 John 3.16. Can someone read this for us? Oh, as soon as Ernest has it up. I can read it. This is all. Um, this, this is all. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we also lay down our lives for our brothers. Yeah. So this is a big deal. Like this isn't some small thing like sending funds or sharing your Netflix account. This is really big. And this shows like Christ died for us and we should be willing to die for each other. And that's much bigger than what we then what feels natural and normal. Um, but because we have an example in Christ and because we, we have received this love from Christ, we have Christ's love to give to each other. So let's look at some more practical ways to love your spiritual family. So let's start in Romans 12, 10, um, because so let's start in Romans 12, 10, and talk about how we can honor each other. So Romans 12, 10, does someone want to read that one? We devoted to one another, honor one another above yourself. Yeah, exactly. So what does it mean to honor someone above yourself? Putting them first. Maybe. Yeah, does someone else have another, another answer? I think also, um, I can go. I think also, yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah. you know, just, um, it's first of all, putting them first and also honoring them as in like, you know, um, acknowledging that they are also um, children of God. And that comes with respect. Like sometimes, especially with your friends and the body of Christ, you can get so familiar with them that you don't honor the gifts of God in their lives and mm -hmm. things like that so you know having friends that's you know you still honor them as you still joke and you're jovial but you respect them as a person and as a child of god and um you know with the gifts that's because they're in your life for a reason and all that stuff so, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah i think one um, other person ahead. <laughs> yeah go ahead i think one other person had something to say um yes um i think is doing exactly what christ did and putting them before you mm -hmm. um, because we have Christ now. So we have to um, repl replicate that um, behavior from Christ and yeah. put them first. I fully agree. So like, even if you look, just as we said, Christ is our example. If you look in um, the gospels, when Christ even went down as far as washing the feet of his disciples and stuff, he's putting him, he's putting himself, I don't want to say on the back burner, but he's putting them first. He washed their feet, he serves them. And I think that's very important um, in a way that he was fully God and fully man, but he was still able to serve his disciples. Um, and I think that's a beautiful example. And everybody else, what you guys said is very important as well. Honoring the gift and things like that. Yeah. And in the chat, someone said being willing to serve as well. Yeah, so those are all exactly right. Honoring someone above yourself is just to put them before you and put their needs above your own. And you see, it says to be devoted and brotherly love. So this is a way to show your love for each other um, and uh, it's something that you do. 
with devotion, which means that it's it's regular, it's constant, it's not something that you do it sometimes and not other times. So let's look at an example. Let's look at the example of Ruth and Naomi. So we'll go to Ruth 1 from verses 15 through 18. So if you know the story of Ruth and Naomi, Naomi went with her husband to Moab, and there they, they had two sons, and both of their sons got married. But both Naomi's husband and her two sons died while they were in Moab. So Sorry, was there something wrong with my audio? Okay. So um, both um, Naomi's... Lillian, try not to hold it up. Just leave it and try... Okay. You can Is leave it. Yeah, you're, like you don't need to hold it. Try it now. Okay, how's now? Um, better, yeah. Okay. Okay, so... Her husband and her two sons all died while they were in Moab. So she doesn't have any more family left except for her two daughter-in-laws. But her daughter-in-laws both have their own families. So Naomi tells her daughters, go back to your families. And one of them does. But Ruth just refuses to go back. So this is what happens next. Um, can you go back to verse 15? Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where I die, where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So what is, what is Ruth saying here? Ruth is saying that she doesn't want to go back to her old family. She, Naomi is her new family, and she wants to stay with Naomi. And Ruth could have gone back to her own, her own family. She could have found a new husband. She could have found a new family. Um, and But she knows Naomi is in mourning. Naomi is is has no one left she has no family left and instead of being selfish and going back and starting a new life Ruth stays with Naomi and she stays and she stays as Naomi's daughter um, and you see that continue as as the story goes on um, but this is this is a huge sacrifice for Ruth and it's a really good example of honoring each other above ourselves. So another way to honor each other is to keep each other from sinning. So we see this command in Romans 14. Um, let's start, I think, verse 13 or 14. So this is a little bit of a long, um, a long passage. So I'm just going to skip around and emphasize the most important parts. So it says, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. So the author of Romans is, is addressing a problem where some people are eating meat that other people think is unclean. And so there's division going on in the church. There's judgment going on in the church. People are judging each other and saying, you're wrong. I'm right. And um, you're sinning. And it's just causing division. So the author is, is telling them that this meat is not inherently unclean. But don't put any stumbling block in your brother's way. So let's go on, I think, verse 15. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy your brother for whom Christ died. So um, let's go on to verse 
Probably 17, 18. Yeah, go to verse, okay. Yeah, it's verse 19. Sorry, I don't have verse numbers on my paper, so I just have underlines. Okay, it says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. So what the author is saying here is don't do things just because you think it's okay to do it and just because you think it's right. Your actions are affecting the people around you. You want to create peace among your, your brothers and sisters in Christ, and you want to help lift them up and honor their needs and their pitfalls and not cause them to sin or, or to fall into temptation because of what you're doing. So this is saying, even if you think it's right, it's still affecting other people and you don't want them to, uh, you want them to be edified. So you, so in order to not affect them, you should sacrifice some things so that they can be edified and so that there can be peace. So it's kind of a, a parallel to the real world. Think about how you act around your siblings. So sometimes you think it's okay if you're doing something because it's only affecting you and maybe it's not even affecting you that much. So for example, when I was in high school, I could watch TV when I got home and I could still get decent grades. It was still okay. But then I realized my brother is watching me, my younger brother. He's watching me. He's seeing me get good grades after just watching TV all day. And so now he starts to do it. But the problem is he can't get good grades when he's just watching TV all day. And so now something that's okay for me to do is not okay for him to do. And it's endangering his future. And so I shouldn't do that so that he can, uh, so that it doesn't affect him. So do y'all have any similar examples where you know someone else is following your example and so you realize that you shouldn't do it or you suddenly feel guilty about it? I can give an example, not with me personally, but just, just a scenario which I think can be very common. So let's say you're the older sibling and you, you drink, you drink alcohol. Now, obviously drinking is not a sin, but, and you're not a heavy drinker per se, but you drink quite often. You don't get drunk, but you just drink it like, it's, it's almost like you're drinking juice. It's just a part of like your normal day-to-day routine. But then let's say you have a younger sibling who's watching you drink alcohol often. And they were like, okay, my older sibling does it. So, I mean, he can do no wrong. Let me do it as well. But then your younger sibling doesn't have the self-control that you do. And they now end up maybe getting drunk, heavily dependent, maybe even addicted. So, yeah, I think that's a very common common scenario that can happen. Yeah, that's a good example. Go ahead, Ugo. Um, That's actually very true. Like, there's a lot of things that we can do so that some people in their head because of where they're raised and how things, how they're brought up, they might see as a sin. Some people it's wearing makeup, others it's wearing pants <laughs> um, and, or wearing wigs and weaves and stuff like that. And just to keep the peace and to make sure that, even though we know that that is nothing to us, but um, just so that we don't drive them away. Um, for us to modify some of our behaviors just to save someone than to, because we are in our own rights and our freedom, uh, it doesn't matter, I'm living my life, I'm free in Christ, I'm gonna do whatever I wanna do. Um, we lose this person um, because this is where they are in their love walk. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for contributing, Ugo, that was good. Does anyone else have anything to add? Any examples or anything like that? Yeah, I have I have an example. So we've been reading the book of Acts, right? And um, on Friday, we saw something interesting that Paul was going into a new city. And because there are a lot of Jews there and he still wanted to get many of them saved, um, he actually took Timothy to get circumcised. Now, we know that there's nothing... Um, the real circumcision is of the spirit, right? So circumcision is nothing like Paul taught, you know, extensively in the book of Romans. But 
he took Timothy to get circumcised just because of the gospel's sake. So if someone could go that far and do something to organ just because, you know, someone would get saved, then the little things should not be that big for us to do. That's kind of like my argument here. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for sharing. Does anyone have any other examples? Okay, let's go ahead. I'm basically, I think, um, eye-stimulating devices like social media apps or movies, anything like that, or series, how you approach those things will dictate, will um, give an example to the younger ones on how they will want to approach it. So, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so what I'll add to this is, um, um, I think everybody just said it all. And um, what I would just add is, I think this is also going back to, um, you know, honoring your, um, um, you know, your, your neighbor or other people above yourself. So it's just more like um, thinking about the next person first. So yes, it's true that this thing you're doing is not wrong, but, you know, someone else may think, you may be misleading someone else by um, letting them see you do these things. So not even for the sake of um, of yourself, but for the sake of the next person. So they, you might be communicating in a wrong way and then they get the whole message wrong and you may lead them astray without even knowing. So I think basically that's what wraps up the whole, um, what everybody's trying to say in my own way, yeah. Yeah, that was really good. And you you got right back to the point is that this is a way to honor each other. Um, okay. So another way that you can love each other is to bear each other's burdens. So let's go to Galatians 6, 1 through 2. Um, so these verses are about how to bear each other's burdens in terms of sin. So Galatians 6, verses 1 through 2. Okay, and for the sake of time, I'll go ahead and read that. It says, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So one way to bear each other's burdens is to bear each other's sin and bear each other's, um, and, and help each other to come out of that sin and to overcome that. So if you've ever had a sin where you just can't break it, like maybe it's a habit, you just can't break it. Maybe it's something that you just feel like you can't control and it's so weighty and it's so hard for you to, um, to lift that weight off yourself and to hold it up and carry it every day. So one way that we can help each other is to help each other carry the weight of that sin and carry the, the weight of overcoming that. Because although Christ has, has forgiven us for all our sin and we are blameless before, before God, we still sin daily. And it's still something, it's still something that we have to have to carry and learn how to overcome each each sin, especially the habitual ones. So carrying each other's burdens is through helping each other overcome sin is um, is one way to love each other. Ugo, did you have something to say? Um, I was just going to say that's like the beauty of having a good accountability partner. That's basically what they are. They're there to um, help you hold yourself accountable, especially if it's like something that you're really struggling with. Um, they can help pray with you and help like give practical ways of um, to stop what you're doing. Um, so, yeah, that's the beauty of accountability. Yeah. And that goes right into the next verse we want to look at, which is James 5, 16. Um, so another way we can bear each other's burdens is through prayer. Um, let's go ahead and get that one up. So um, especially um, this verse is especially about prayer through uh, prayer and helping each other overcome that sin. 
It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So this is about that accountability. And um, it's really important to be available to your brothers and sisters in Christ to be, be their accountability partner and to be able to listen to them without judgment so that they can confess their sin to you and that you can pray with them and, um, and heal them emotionally or um, whatever else they need. Because we've, although, again, although we have been reconciled to God and we are seen as clean before God, we still feel that hurt and that pain that comes from sin. Um, but we can also bear each other's burdens in a very tangible, physical way. So go ahead and put Proverbs, I'll just read that one. Go ahead and put Genesis 14, 8 through 14. Um, just 14, 14, Genesis 14, 14. So Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. So this, this example of Abraham and Lot is an example of that. So although we have friends who care for each other, a brother is going to be there for you in thick and thin. They're going to help you with everything you need. And they're going to, again, honor you and put you up above themselves. So that's how we should treat each other. So in case you didn't know, at one point, Abraham and Lot separated. Yeah, friends are ride or die. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Abraham and Lot separated. Lot went to Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom was attacked by four kings. So there's four kings that attacked Sodom. They defeated Sodom. They captured Lot. Then Abraham heard about it. So what was Abraham's response? He said, okay, I'm going to go after them. I'm going to get, I'm going to go get my nephew. So Genesis 14, 14 says, when Abraham heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. So Abraham's like, okay, I'm going to go get them. Let's go get these 300 people. We're going to go against these four kings with their four armies to go save his, his, his nephew. And he does it. So he goes and he pursues them and he rescues Lot. And that is like, like talk about brave and talk about love. Like, how could you love someone so much that you're willing to risk your life and the 318 men in your household to go save your, your brother? Um, so that's a biblical example of a tangible way of bearing each other's burdens. But how would this look in our lives? So we've seen some examples like funds or Netflix passwords um, or even just... Um, like doing things for each other, like doing each other's dishes or driving each other places. So there are a lot of ways that this can apply directly to your life because I'm sure very few of you are going to be, get, be captured and need rescuing um, or have people. Um, it's not as common as the day-to-day -day consistent needs of each other. Um, so the last thing that I wanna talk about is forgiveness. Forgiveness is a really important part of love. Um, so, Ernest, can you pull up Luke 17, verses 3 through 4? Before I read this, I want to talk about like, something that I observed in my family. Um, I know so many times my parents told me to do something. I didn't do it. They, I got in trouble, of course. But then after I got in trouble everything went back to normal because they forgave me and they still loved me. So that's a real, like an example in my life that kind of describes what this verse is saying. This says, so watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times come back, comes back to you and says, I repent, you must forgive him. So, no matter how many times your brother or sister in Christ wrongs you, you forgive them again and again and again and again, because that is how Christ has acted towards us. We have, we have 
turned away from him again and again and again and again. Our whole lives were turned away from him and he forgave us. So part of forgiving people again and again is patience. It's really important to be patient with each other. Um, let's go to Ephesians chapter four, verse one through three. Patience is very important. So it says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So there's a lot going on here. Um, I want to focus on the phrase bearing with one another in love. If you've ever lived with a roommate who's annoying, you know, sometimes you just have to bear with them. Like you just have to, you just have to deal with it, write it out, but still love them. So that's, that's a pretty good, that's a definition of patience that I want you to hold on to is that you're not just, patience is not something that's easy. It's something you're bearing, you're bearing with them. You're just, you're, even though they're annoying you or they're hurting you, you're still loving them and you're still forgiving them. And this, this helps keep unity, um, which, which really comes from the spirit, but um, we'll talk about that in a few more minutes. So another aspect of, of forgiveness is that, um, Ernest, can you go to 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 9? Another aspect of forgiveness is that you, you didn't just forgive them in your heart, you, your actions also change. Um, you repay evil with good. It says, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with, with blessing. Because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. So whenever we turn, had our backs turned to God all the time, he did not repay that with evil. He repaid it with his life, right? He repaid it with, with such the biggest blessing we could ever receive. So when someone does you wrong, not only you forgive them, but you repay that wrong with good. You don't want to, um, you don't want to repay them with evil because that just piles up and piles up and piles up. And eventually it's just so much to bear and the, the unity will just be gone. And you, you want to keep the unity in the church because that's our inheritance in Christ. Is, that's part of, that's, that's why we have the spirit is so that we can be unified. So I'm going to go into some concluding statements. The last few verses said a lot about, um, a lot about unity um, because we are unified as a family in Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, um, says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. We were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. So we are all very different. And we are all, all have different roles. We all have different backgrounds. We all, some of us even have different denominations, but the spirit is not denominational. The spirit is not cultural. The spirit is in every single one of us. And because of that, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ and we should all be unified. So we've talked a lot about how to love your spiritual family. But I know not everyone's biological family is perfect or the perfect example. So I want to turn this around and remind you that you shouldn't just love your spiritual family this way. You should also love your biological family this way with forgiveness and with honor and, um, and with bearing each other's burdens. Um, and the last thing I want to say is that love is the indicator of the believer. So in science, whenever a reaction takes place, you can, um, you can use an indicator to check if the reaction happened. A lot of times you'll have some kind of solution. So you have a solution in a beaker and you'll add a colored liquid to it. And whenever the reaction happens, the color changes. 
So it's a visual expression of what's happening, which you can't see. You don't see the reaction happening, but because of the color change, you know that it's happened. John 13, verses 34 through 35. Sorry, Ernest. <laughs> um, John 13, verses 34 through 35 says, A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By, all that, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So this is why I say that love is the indicator of the believer. People can't see your soul, right? Only God can see your soul. Only God knows that you've trusted in him. But people can see your love. And the outward expression of, of God's love through you, you showing love to your brothers and sisters, lets people know that you are a believer, that you have placed your trust, placed your trust in Christ. Yeah, so that's all I have. I didn't know if Ugo had anything to add. If not, we can add, go on to questions. So um, all I had to add one last point is basically that we've talked about loving our um, spiritual family, talked about loving our biological family, but um, just because we noted it as a word Sorge is just an extension of agape. Um, just as we see how God has loved us in such a way, it says it in First John um, three verse sixteen. This is how we should love, because we are of, are of God, and God is love, and He loved us in this way that He could give His Son to die. Then we can also, in extension, give this love to other people. So it's not just loving strangers or loving other people, but we're also loving the body of Christ. This is how we should love everyone. So yeah, um, we are done. So we will take some questions. I think I saw um, someone's hands up. Yeah, I wanted to say something. I don't know if it's okay. Yeah, go ahead. So I think you're right. You know, love is very, very um, critical. Talking about how to love. Um, I think we've been told how to love. It's, it's easy to, to, it's been clearly defined. You should love your neighbor as yourself. So you know, you you know what you want, you know how you want to be loved. All you have to do is love the next person the same way you would love to be loved. <laughs> you know, so and then um I think love solves everything. Even the verse we read earlier talking about honoring your neighbor more than yourself, it's all love. So um that's why God is love. So even first Corinthians 13, 13 would say, um, you know, the greatest of them all is love. So love is even patience, you know, talked about earlier. There's patience in love. There's everything in love. Love just encompasses everything. So even when you say, um, show me your faith and I'll show you my works, that's still love. So at the end of the day, everything goes back to love. I guess that's why God is love. Yeah, you are so right. Like we can't even do ministry without having love on the inside of you because for you to spread the gospel to evangelize to prophesy to people to pray for people um to you know give alms and all that stuff all of that is rooted in love there's no way that you can speak in tongues prophesy do all these things without having love within your heart and loving others so everything is rooted in love i see a question in the chat um lola day asks what is your opinion on loving someone from afar when you have been hurt um, and now it's a matter of protecting your heart. That's actually a huge question. Um, like I said, um, or it's been said, yes, love on them. But if you feel like you have to, sorry about that. Um, if you feel like you have to love from a distance, I would definitely suggest that as well. Um, because we are also so human. I have been hurt by many of people. And instead of putting myself I guess putting myself back on the pedestal for me get like hammered and things like that. I still love on them. If they need help, I will still help them out any way that I can. But to also protect myself, I would make sure that I'm being held accountable or someone's also there with me. And um, also there's other ways of showing love without it being physical. You don't have to do things for them um, per se, but you can pray for them. Um, you can give things to other people and things like that. Still protecting yourself and guarding your heart, but you're still showing love in a way. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, and I have something to add to that. 
Um, sometimes you can, um, like Ugo said, protect, like help go with someone else to help them. Sometimes you shouldn't be in contact with them at all, right? And that's um, that's not something that we can speak to because we don't know the situation of each person. Um, but part of forgiveness is not seeking vindication and not seeking um, revenge, basically, because um, God has, the, the Bible says that revenge belongs to God and that justice belongs to God. And so there's, there's a desire for us to have justice and to say, this person did this to me. I want this to happen to them, right? And part of forgiveness is being able to say, no, I want something good to happen to them. I don't want bad to happen to them just because they did wrong to me. And like Ugo said, prayer is a really good way to, um, to love on them in that way. Did anyone have other questions? Yes. Okay, so like, what, what if the person is finding it difficult to forgive himself? Like, the person did something and is finding it difficult to forgive himself. How do you go about that? So, I just want to make sure I'm understanding the question. So, you did something and you are finding it hard for you to forgive yourself. Not saying that is you, I'm just okay, trying. So, basically, I used to, I watch, I used to watch porn. Okay. And I, at the time, I didn't know if this was bad, but yeah. if I saw it online, I would watch, okay. let's say, porn with people below age. If I saw it on popular website and I didn't know it was wrong, when I found out it was wrong, I f I'm finding it difficult to forgive myself for that. Yeah. And now I realize that. So, Go ahead, Uga. Okay, sorry. Um, so I want you to first realize that um, Christ has forgiven you already, even before you were born, even before you knew who Christ was, he died for you and his blood washed you clean from any passing, future sin, everything. This is not um, saying that so that you can continue the license of sin, but no, this is just the magnitude of what Christ has done, that even when we were yet deep in sin, Christ died for us. And if Christ does not see that sin, that when he, when God looks at you, not he doesn't see the sin anymore. He doesn't see that you watch porn. He sees that you are, you've been justified and you have been saved through the blood of Christ. You have accepted Christ and now you are free. You're free from all that. Now this is just the enemy beating you up saying, hey, you watch this, but this, 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 that, and that. So Christ doesn't see this and he has forgiven you. Therefore, you should be able to forgive yourself. Yes, it's going to take some time um, because you will be reminded of what you've done, but you have been forgiven. You have to remind yourself daily and even find scriptures that remind you of your reality, that you are the righteousness of Christ, that if Christ has not held this thing behind you, then you should not hold it against yourself. Now that you know that it's wrong and you have turned away from it, honey, nobody is looking at you like saying that, oh, this is what you are and reminding you of this sin anymore. No, you are free from it. And now you have been washed white in snow by the blood of Christ. You are free. No one is holding it back at you. Um, so allow me that you are the righteousness of Christ. No one sees that anymore. You are just fine the way you are. You just need to remind yourself. It's hard. I understand that. But just continue to remind yourself. And if when you read these scriptures and you remind yourself daily of it, I promise you the lies of the enemy, it will become fainter and fainter. So you have you have been forgiven. Go ahead and sit no more. This is not me saying that. But this is being reminded of who what your reality is. Yeah, I just want to add something to that. You know, th there's a reason the Bible is called the accused. The, the the devil in the scriptures is called the accuser of the brethren, right? And we don't want to join him in doing his work, right? So, um, when we know what Christ has done definitively, we want to put our minds on what he has done and let that affect how we think about who we are. Many times we are so concerned about what we where we are right now how we feel and we forget fact 
Yeah. You forget what, just like Ugo said, there are certain things God, Jesus has done, God did in Christ for you. So what you need to do is, when you do feel that guilt, it's something I, I would say is called gutsy guilt. The guilt is, it's, it's a real guilt, all right? It's wrong. Because it's wrong, we feel guilty. But we have the guts, because of what Christ has done, to approach him, knowing that we are forgiven. So you will many times live in that duality, and it's fine. You know, but make sure that you're not allowing the condemning voice of the enemy to overwhelm you and to make you feel worthless. Trust me, I know I've been there. Don't, don't let the devil make you feel worthless. All right. You have all you should have all the sense of worth because of what Christ did for you. So that's just what I wanted to add. Yeah. And, and you don't need to be guilty if you've already passed it. Like if it's just something in the past, the guilt, the guilt is gone now. Like. It's okay if you feel guilty, but you want to make sure you don't feel shame because if you feel shame, then that's, that's when you go to someone you trust, you say, look, this is how I'm feeling. I feel ashamed and they can help walk you out of that shame and bring that to, to light and, um, and help show you and demonstrate God's love for you where you are, because that's really what we're supposed to do as, as brethren in Christ is to show God's love for you and to show, look, God knows you've done this. He doesn't care, right? God knows you've done this. He still loves you and he still loves you for who you are. Yeah. I think that's also why it's so important that we are like the body of Christ as a family unit, just as you have said this and that you're struggling in this area, you have brothers now that if you reach out and you're like, yo, I feel like this, yo, this is how I feel in a way, they'll be able to hold you up in prayer, hold you accountable, um, send you songs. Um, you should listen to Pastor Bright. He has a beautiful song that talks about being the righteousness of Christ. If you just need to be reminded um, of things like that. So um, just as Ernest is... Um, Oh, Ernest said something. But yeah, just as Ernest has said, don't let the enemy lie to you, whisper in your ear or anything like that. Um, I think I'm hammering <laughs> on the nail. But um, Adeola has a question. How do you know that you have forgiven someone or yourself? Is it just a knowledge thing or does it come with some feeling? Um, for me, I think it's both. Just when you, just as you have made it a point that you're saying, "Hey, um, this person did this to this, um, this is to me," but I choose to forgive you, um, because forgiveness is just is just for yourself as it is for them. I hope that makes sense. Um, because you're reminding yourself, I don't hold this um, this thing to this person anymore. Um, it takes a while, it takes time, you're bearing with someone, you're being patient, but you know that you have forgiven when you, after you continue to remind yourself after a while that you've forgiven this person, when you look at that person and you're not reminded of what they've done, you see them as your brother or your sister in Christ. Um, that feeling of malice or that feeling of hurt starts to slowly fade. Um, and you're not reminded of it anymore. Sometimes it even takes in the place of prayer for you to continue to like, hey, I forgive this person in the name of Jesus. I forgive this person. Um, and after a while, it it will fade. People have done me shiggy in this life. <laughs> and it's a choice that I'm not going to hold this to this person anymore. Um, I'm going to choose to forgive them. And before you know it, you won't even be reminded of it anymore. Yeah. yeah, it's an action. And, you know, you might, you can say, I forgive them. Later on, you feel so hurt by them, even by the same thing they did before. And you say, God, I feel hurt, but help me to forgive them again. And you just forgive them again, even if they haven't done anything else. It's okay, right? Because you're human. And it's an action, a decision that you take. So we're going to we're oh. gonna have I.O., take us further for the sake of time um yeah so i think i is going to round us off um so i'm guessing you knew sylvester am i wrong yeah sylvester okay. correct <laughs> and you, go ahead. you can go ahead um say what oh really mean. um i i wanted to just add really quickly um yeah maybe a practical way will be um you know you could someone offends you um probably put the person in your prayers you know yeah. say some really nice prayers for the person if you can do that consistently for a little while 
you know, it's just a way to indicate that, okay, uh, you know, I mean well for this person, I'm able to pray for them. I think that really helps. And then talking about um, forgiving yourself, like um, um, was raised earlier, um, prayer, I think prayer still does that too. Sometimes, um, you know, when that temptation comes and you begin to feel guilty, you could just pray about it, you know, put it in prayer. Pray because that time I think it's just the enemy that's trying to um, make you feel weak take away that strength you have and uh, make you feel like there's no difference between then and now. So sometimes um, prayer really solves a lot of all these problems. You just pray again. That's what I wanted to say. Thank you. Never stop. And thanks for the time. Thank you, Sylvester. Um, Thank you, Mm -hmm. Lillian and Ugo. That was amazing. That was amazing. um, It was amazing teaching. I was instructed and I've been trained in righteousness in in the aspect of you know, loving my family and loving the body of Christ. So everyone, could you please unmute yourselves and say thank you to Lillian and Ugo. Please say thank you to them. Thank you, Lillian. Thank you, Ugo. That was excellent. Thank you. It was fabulous. (laughs) Hey there. So we've come to the end of this teaching session and we hope it was for you a teaching and an enlightening moment. We have so many other topics on our podcast that range from spiritual gifts to charisma to interpreting the Bible world and so many others. If you'd like to listen to any one of them, just look through our podcast catalog and find the topic that you'd love to learn. If you'd like to join us Sunday live on MixLR or on Zoom, all you need to do is go to our website, which is bit.ly forward slash bmglive4. That's the number four. Or you can look in the description and you will find the link to the website there. We hope you have a blessed week and continue to grow and progress with joy in your faith.